Thank you, Jesus. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Has come our has, has become our custom here on Wednesday nights. We have been asking these young teenagers and young adults uh, to speak for us to open up uh, the message part of our service um, with an exhortation, if you will. And tonight is going to be no different. Uh, again, I, I say it about every time, but I enjoy seeing our young people declaring the word of God over the people of God. That's important to me, and I pray that it's important to you. And uh, tonight, we're so honored to have Sister Riley uh, to come and to speak to us tonight. And as we've done the, the previous weeks, I'm going to ask for you to stretch your hands toward her as she comes tonight. And we're going to pray over her as she comes. God, we come before you, and we thank you for Sister Riley tonight. And God, I know that you're going to speak to and through her, Lord, because tonight she's a willing vessel of the Holy Ghost. And God, I ask that you fill her with your word and with power. And Lord, I ask that it would go forth and that we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive what your word says. Because Lord, let her take take root in this, that your word does not return unto you void. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give her a hand tonight. Hello, everyone. This is not me. I, <laughs> I don't like speaking in front of people, but um, God gave me a word to speak to everyone. So um, I'm going to title this, God's Overtaking Your Fears. And we're going to start in Psalms 34, 4 through 6. And it says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. And... Me personally, I know everyone goes through struggles and stuff, but um, I have fear, like I have had fear for years. It used to be bad, like about two years ago, God delivered me from it, but um, I would get like so anxious and I would fear all the time and um, it would put me in the hospital and, and it's I'm just thankful that God has delivered me from that. It was a really hard road to go through. But as 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And to have a sound mind, your thoughts have been protected from the lies of the devil. And I know um, a lot of you can relate to this, but... Um, the devil really messes with my mind. That's the main thing that he messes with me. And um, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. But um, what the devil wants for us is to fear. Like speaking this message tonight, I've really struggled with my mind. And I even told my mom, I was like, I can't do this. I can't speak in front of people. I, I just can't. <laughs> it's not me. And um, what the devil would love to do is to shut our mouths and discourage us that we can't do it. But with God, all things are possible. And I know God put me here for a reason. 
But God, um, I'm just hoping that this word helps someone tonight. And even at our lowest times, God is with us. He hears our cries and he will deliver us from whatever we are going through. The devil is a liar. I'm sure you've heard someone say or you read it somewhere, faith over fear. And that really came to me preparing this message because our faith is so much greater than our fears. And we must have faith that the Lord hears us and is delivering us from those fears. And Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And in Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not, do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I know fear is a really targeting thing in this world right now because of this virus and everything that's going on in this world. But we don't need to fear. If we have faith in God and trust him that he's protecting us and he's going to get us through these hard times, then we'll be okay. Um, in Isaiah 43.2, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. I know this message isn't really long, but I'm going to end with this. No matter how bad things may look, or no matter what you may be going through, do not fear because the Lord is with you always. Amen. Give her another hand tonight. Praise God. You know, she's literally um, living and practicing what she preached right in front of you because she told you that she, she said, I can't do this. But she stood before you and did this. And I tell you, that is powerful not only to deliver a message, but to literally live it out. And that was powerful tonight. Amen. To, to not fear is, it can be translated in a, in a way to not give up. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. And I feel this word that God has given me um, burning in my heart uh, for the church tonight. So I ask uh, that you would just be really attentive to what the Spirit is saying. If you would stand across the house tonight in reverence to God's word if you're physically able. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. Probably one of the most familiar portions of scripture in the Pentecostal church and I'm going to be giving you a lot of verses tonight but I won't keep you standing too long verse 1 Acts chapter 2 and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all in one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were filled, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, 
and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews and devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Let us pray tonight. God, we come before you. We thank you for your word and its anointing. And God, I ask that you would just anoint this vessel tonight that's full of flaw and error to be able to bring forth and expound on your word the way that you have expounded it in my life, Lord. Help me to relay it to others tonight. And God, I ask that we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name we pray and the church says, Amen and Amen. You may be seated this evening. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost is what we call it. The day of Pentecost is a feast known as Shavuot to the Jewish people. And there's many things I could go into about this feast, but the big thing I want you to notice, and I've preached similar on this topic before, that it is a pilgrimage feast that Jewish men and their families had to journey to Jerusalem to participate in this feast. So Jews from throughout the world, not just in Israel, but throughout, spread out throughout the Roman Empire and the known world of that time, would come to Israel, specifically to the city of Jerusalem, for this feast and this celebration known as Shavuot, but we know as Pentecost. But what we see here on the day of Pentecost is a fulfillment of prophecy. Not only was it prophesied by the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2, but it was prophesied by Jesus Himself. The Bible says in John chapter 37 through, or John chapter 7 verses 37 through 39, Jesus was, was standing up on, on the last day of a feast of tabernacles and He said, Come unto Me and drink. And verse 38 says, And he that believeth me, believeth on me, as the Scriptures has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And verse 39 tells us, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive. He was talking about a Spirit, this Holy Spirit that was going to come and begin to flow through the people of God like rivers of living water. The Bible tells us in John chapter 14 that He, he tells His disciples in John chapter 14 and verse 16, I will pray the Father and He shall give you another Comforter that He may abide with you forever. Acts chapter 1, simply in, in verse 8, Jesus simply says, uh, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. But one of the most profound, I, I think, profound prophetic words that Jesus gives because it's not so much a prophetic word as it is a command. We find in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, and He says, Behold, I send the promise of My Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. 
Not only is Jesus prophesying of the Holy Spirit to come, but He is telling His disciples and His followers at this moment before He ascends into heaven and He's caught up into heaven. He tells them that you need to go to the city of Jerusalem and you need to tarry. That means to occupy or to wait. We just sang a song, Wait on the Lord. Or to wait until you be endued with power from on high. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 6 that Jesus was seen of 500 brethren at one time. He was seen by 500 at one time. Many, if not most, biblical scholars believe that Jesus was speaking to the 500 before He ascended into heaven. 500 people heard this command in Luke chapter 24 that they should go to the city of Jerusalem and wait and tarry until they be endued with power from on high. But I want you to notice something. If you, if you want to quickly turn there or turn on your Bible and, and go there, but if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 6, not only does it say that Jesus was seen by the 500 at one time, but the writer, which is Paul writing to the Corinthian church, says of whom, and he's talking of the 500, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. And what he's saying is, out of the 500, many of them have remained in the faith. Many of them remain with us. But he says here at the end of this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 6, but some are fallen asleep. Most people on the surface would read that portion of Scripture and, and if you know anything about biblical writing, you would know that that term to fall asleep a lot of times can mean just to be dead. And it's talking, just on the surface, you would, you would think that it's just talking about that there are some people of that 500 that are still alive and that there are some that have went on to be with the Lord. But what's interesting about that portion of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 15 is not only does it mean to die in the Greek and in the original language, but it also means the obvious to sleep, but it can also mean to fall. So what Paul is saying, 500 people saw a resurrected living Christ and heard the decree that was given by Jesus in Luke chapter 24 to go to the city of Jerusalem and to wait until they be endued with power from on. 500 people heard this, uh, Brother Chris. Uh, but he said that out of that 500, there were some that had fallen asleep uh, and there were some that were spiritually dead and there were some that had fallen away from the faith. You say, what are you getting at tonight, Pastor? Just... just just stay with me for a moment because the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 and verse 15. 
It says in those days because Jesus appeared multiple times after His resurrection. For 40 days He appeared to His disciples and He appeared to the 500. He appeared to certain disciples at certain times. He, he, was, he was throughout the nation of Israel appearing at times. For 40 days He did this and, and, and His disciples were, were just following wherever His appearances were occurring, following Him around. And, and, and what, what's fascinating again is that the Bible tells us uh, that they were in the upper room. It teaches us because the Feast of Pentecost or Shavuot happens 50 days after Passover. So we see that there's this 40-day period and then Jesus tells them to go to Jerusalem until they're filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then we, we see that there's this, this, this waiting period until the day of Pentecost has fully come. I'm in teaching mode tonight. I, I, I hope I'm making sense to you. Do, you. do you realize the timeline here? But the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 15 that in those days, those days in the upper room, That Peter stands up in the midst of the disciples and he, he says, and, and, and in parentheses here it says, he, he begins to name off the names of the people that were in the upper room. And the Bible says it was about 120. So Brother Chris, by, by reading that portion of Scripture in Acts chapter 1 and verse 15, it, in those days in the upper room... Uh, that, that Peter begins to stand up and almost like he's counting who's left. And he begins to name off 120 names that remain. Let me ask you something. Many of you have heard this preach. Many of you that have been raised in the church have heard this preach in, in, in different ways. But I want, you to, I want to ask you a question. Of where are the 500? 500 were given the command to go to the city of Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come and, and endue them with power from on high. And, and I don't know about you, but if I knew someone that was dead and they rose from the dead and they appeared unto me, and Brother Chris, they told me to do something, I would do it. I would like to think that I would do it. And I know many of you, you, you know, we, we, we have to realize that we're reading this on the outside looking in, in, in a sense. But, but these people were living this. How, how, could, how could 380 people get it so wrong? How could they miss this opportunity? Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7. One of my main scriptures for you tonight says this. This is Paul talking to the Galatian church. He says, you did run well. Look at that. You, you did run well. But who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Let me translate that for you. Who hindered you that you should not obey the truth. Remember, Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. That was a command. That, that was Jesus asking and commanding of them to go to the city of Jerusalem. And, and now we have Paul writing to the Galatian church. Uh, and he's, he's writing this. But the Lord, I want to tie this together and, and, and apply it to the 380 that did not make it into the upper room. Or were in the upper room and left the upper room. And I want to ask, uh, who hindered you? 
that you should not obey the truth. Galatians 5 goes on in verse 8 and 9. He says, This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. And a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. What he's saying, a little leaven ruins the whole loaf. A little disobedience ruins the whole thing. And I I want to be very clear to you tonight uh, that the Bible tells us in John chapter 16 and verse 13 uh, that that this is Jesus talking here. He says, how be it uh, when the Spirit of truth is come? Again, He's prophesying about the Holy Spirit that is going to come in Acts chapter 2. He says, how be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come? He will guide you into all truth. And what does Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7 say? Who hindered you that you should not obey the truth? Can I ask the church tonight, can I ask you, can I I just ask you a simple question? Who hindered you from not obeying the Spirit of God as He led you in this service maybe tonight, uh, in the service Sunday. What, what if, if last night when we were here praying and, and so many people stepped out uh, and were used of God in that prayer meeting? What, what if, uh, what if uh, Brother Tyler, what if someone, what if, what, what if someone was withholding from the Holy Spirit? Who hindered you? Who prevented you? That word hinder in the Greek means who beat you back from obeying the truth. The Bible tells us again in in, in John chapter 16 verse 8. He's telling us that the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth and will guide us into all truth. And he goes on to say that the Spirit will not speak of himself. uh, But he goes on in, in the next verse in verse 14. He says, and he shall glorify me. This is Jesus talking here. He'll point, the the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth and He will point to to the truth because the Bible tells us in John chapter 14 and verse 6 that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So not not only are we not obeying the truth, we're not obeying the Holy Spirit, but we're not obeying Christ. And I, 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 I'm not trying to sound super negative tonight. I promise you we're going somewhere. But who hindered you? Who hindered you? How did this, these 380 people miss, miss out on power, on the infilling of the Holy Ghost? How, how did they... Did they miss this opportunity, Brother Ethan, to be a part of the birthing of the church as we know it today? I tell you, it's because they were hindered. You say, they were hindered? What what, what are you talking about, Pastor Jay? Again, realize that the the, the Feast of Shavuot, or the Feast of, as we know it as Pentecost, uh, was a pilgrimage feast. Uh, it was a massive uh, religious event. Uh, I'm talking about, uh, you know, how, how traffic is on voting day and how the booths are, and it's, it's packed. I mean, imagine that in one city at one time, and there's feasting, and there's all kinds of, uh, of drinking and partying and celebration and all these 
these things and all these religious activities going on. And you have to realize that these people uh, were Jews and they were brought up in this and they were indoctrinated in this. This was something they did every year for their entire lives. Uh, they went to Jerusalem for Passover. They went to Jerusalem for Pentecost or Shavuot. This was something that was embedded in them. And, and, and instead of enjoying uh, the benefits of being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, and waiting on God uh, and making time for God uh, and going to a place of prayer uh, and going to a place of sacrifice uh, and going to a place uh, of separation which is the upper room instead uh, they got caught up in what they always knew they got caught up in their ritual and their religion they were hindered I want you to note tonight that when Paul is writing to the Galatian church in Galatians 5, he's literally talking to them in that chapter about legalism and religion. He said, because some were telling, came into the Galatian church and said, listen, you cannot be saved unless you're circumcised. And then Paul, he says in, the, in verse 6, before he ever gets to verse 7, he says, it doesn't matter to Jesus whether you're circumcised or, or whether you're not. What matters is that you follow Him. Is that you obey Him. That's why he says in verse 7, who hindered you? Who prevented you from, 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 from obeying the truth? Uh, it was religion. It was ritual. It was activities. I spoke to a group of young people here last night as we came together and prayed. Uh, young people and parents, it was a powerful time in this house. Uh, it, it was great. It was amazing. Uh, but the Lord began to show me. Uh, he said, son, do you have to realize that, that when you get into a battle in your spiritual life, there's two sides to every battle. And he gave me the example. He said, now when your time, you feel like your time is being attacked, uh, like you're so busy that you can't schedule time in for God. He said, what you don't understand is, yes, that's an attack from your flesh. Yes, that's an attack from the enemy. The Bible even says in Galatians 5, he even says to the Galatian church in that same chapter, he says that your flesh and your spirit are contrary to one another. They're, they're, they're always bickering against one another. And when your flesh says you don't have time and the enemy's trying to tell you that you don't have time, what you don't understand is there's another side to the battle and you don't realize that your spirit man is on the inside of you and is saying this is the moment that you need to make time. This is the moment that you need to draw close. This is the moment you need to go to an upper room. This is the moment you need to pray. This is the moment that you need to fast. This is the moment that you, you don't understand. There, there's a struggle. And there's two sides to that struggle. And what you don't realize is the enemy's bombarding you on one hand. But you have to, you have to see inside at the unseen things and realize that your spirit man is trying to pull you to a place of promise. He's trying to pull you to a place of separation. He's trying to pull you to a place of holiness. He's trying to pull you to a place of relationship. I'll tell you right now, what will carry you through any situation in life is not your mother's prayers. It's not your father's prayers. But it is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's get to the title. You see, 380 people did not have time for Pentecost. 
because someone hindered them from obeying the words of the truth, which the truth is Jesus Christ. How many under the sound of my voice tonight know that they have a call and a purpose on their life, but, but when the Holy Spirit begins to nudge on them and begins to move on them, or our young person, when that Holy Spirit begins to tell you to put the phone down, I know, I know that's a huge deal, but put the phone down and get off Facebook, get your face in the book, and get off Instagram and spend time with the man. I tell you, when all these things try to come up, and you're like, well, I don't know, I don't know. You need to awaken to the fact that your spirit man is saying we've got to go to an upper room we've got to get to a better place listen uh, church uh, the reason we don't have power uh, the reason we're not walking into anointing uh, is because we want it right now we want revival yesterday we want revival there but you don't understand uh, the things are not going to change in the culture uh, until people in the church begin to allow the holy spirit to change them They did not have time for Pentecost. I'm not talking about the feast. In that title, that they don't have time for Pentecost. They did not have time for the outpouring of God's Spirit. The Lord, this whole message began driving down the road. I was just worshiping and just driving. The Lord began to speak to me. I had to pull over on the side of the road really quickly and just jot one little sentence down. And the Lord spoke to me and He said, Son, my church is not experiencing revival because they don't have time for it. The Holy Spirit, Sister Mary, began to convict me in that moment. How many times have I told God, I, I'm, God, I don't have enough time. I, I, I'm too busy. I, I, I have all these things. And, and the Lord began to show me the scripture. Who hindered you, Jade, from obeying the truth? What hindered you? What on your schedule hindered you from the getting in to a place where the presence of God and the Spirit of God can begin to mature you and grow you and cultivate you? Church, I want to ask you tonight, do we have time for Pentecost? Do we have time for Pentecost? The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22, because I believe that some of these 380 people that got caught up in the religious activities... Samuel was the man of God, the voice of God to Israel, and he was advising King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15, and he said, listen, you need to annihilate this race of people. And people said, oh, that sounds awful. But these people were pagans. They were offering their own children as sacrifices to false gods. They were a wicked people. They had harassed the people of God in the past. And, and God says, I, I need you to eradicate, uh, eradicate these people because they're wickedness. Uh, and, 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 and what happens is Saul goes into battle, and he doesn't obey. He keeps some of the Amalekites, including the king, he keeps them as a trophy. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22, Samuel approaches him. Well, he approaches him in a few verses earlier and he's like, what are you doing? 
you've disobeyed God. No, I haven't disobeyed God. I kept the sheep. I kept everything so I can sacrifice it unto God and lift it up as a trophy and all these things. And, and you know, sacrifice was a big part of the Jewish religion. And this is what, what Samuel tells Saul in 1 Samuel 15 and 22. He says, to obey is better than sacrifice. Let me translate that for you in the first translation of Jade. To obey is better than religion. To obey is better than ritual. To obey is better than to you to gain the whole world and lose your soul. But the story does not end there. Or, 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 or that, that's later in the story, really honestly for Saul. That's towards the end. But something happens before. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 13 that the people of God are in a, a bad spot. They're, they're in a tight situation in battle. And, and the Bible says that they were waiting on the man of God. Catch this. They were waiting on the man of God to bring a message of God to them and to offer up sacrifices for them for the battle. And Saul is waiting on Samuel. And the Bible tells us that in verse 8 of that chapter that, that he tarried there for seven days. But Samuel didn't come when he thought he would. So what happens is Saul says, I'm going to step into that role and I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to take time for the blessing of God. I'm going to step in and do it myself. How many can say tonight and be honest with the preacher that yourself, I'll be honest with myself in front of all of you, myself has gotten in the way of God's blessings. And Saul takes it upon himself to offer up the sacrifices. And here's what happens in 1 Samuel 13 and 13. Samuel said to Saul, he says, Thou hast done foolishly. What, let, me, let, let me give you that, how my mom would tell you that. He did a stupid thing. He did something stupid. I know I just said that from the platform. You have to forgive me. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which, has, which He has commanded thee. For now you would have been established uh, uh, thy kingdom. God would have established thy kingdom for Israel forever. He says, but your kingdom shall not continue. You see, Samuel tells Saul, because you could not wait on the Lord, because you could not make time for the blessings of God. Let me, let me bring it to us. You could not wait for the Spirit to move and lead and guide your life. You could not wait or make time for Pentecost. He says, because you could not wait on the Lord. Because you could not make time for the Lord. He said, you will no longer walk in authority. He was a king. And Samuel just told him, you will no longer be king. You will no longer be king because you would not wait. Catch this here. They'll come to the music. I'm going to get out of the way. Catch this here, young people. Because Saul would not wait on God. Because Saul would not get into a place of prayer like the upper room. We'd not get into a place of obedience. The upper room 
the 120 that were there was out of obedience. Catch this. Because he would not wait, he could not walk in authority. And do you realize that 120, I read to you, this is full circle, I read to you in Acts chapter 2, we started off, in the day of Pentecost had fully come. There was 120 that had made time for Pentecost. And the Bible tells us so explicitly, tell, just lays it out so beautifully. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And, and, and it says that there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire and it sat upon each of them. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 120 made time for Pentecost, made time for God, made time to be in the presence of God, made time to obey God. And they received the blessing which was God's Spirit on that day. But 380 people went walking through Jerusalem, Pastor, with no power and no authority on their life. Because they could not wait. That's a big deal in this generation. Not, I'm not talking about just the young people. When you hear me say this generation, I'm talking about the time we're in right now. Because listen, I'm as impatient as anybody. If my food takes more than five minutes, I'm hangry. I mean, there's three cars in the drive-thru. There's three cars in the drive-thru. Nope, too long. Take me home. But do you know that we treat the Holy Spirit and God like a drive-thru? Oh, too long. I can't stay in service on Sunday morning, Pastor. Pastor Ronnie, you need to close service better because I've got places to be and i got things to do. Do you realize what you're saying is, God, I don't want your authority and I don't want your power because I can't wait. And people talk about, and suddenly there came a sound of heaven as a rushing mighty wind. But everybody wants to talk about the suddenly. And I believe there's suddenlies uh, for God. But, but suddenlies happen for people of God that know how to wait on God. And, and we, see it, we see it in ministry. We see it in, in our, our walk with the Lord. It's, well, God, you know, I started this and I, I was doing this, but nothing happened. And I'm two weeks in and I'm just over it. Let me ask you something. Do you have time for Pentecost? Again, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about a denomination. You say, oh, well, you're Pentecostal. You're talking about Pentecost. No, Pentecost is not a denomination. It is an experience. It's an encounter with the Holy Ghost. Because it altered 120 people's lives forever. And 120 became 3,120. And then, and then 5,000 got added. And, and, and all these things began to happen because 120 obeyed the truth. And were not hindered. So do we have time for Pentecost? Because if we don't have time to get in the presence of God and spend time with God... You're not going to walk in the authority of God. 
because you don't realize in the waiting in the waiting there was literally imagine 500 people if, if all 500 went to the upper room 500 people stuffed in this, this humid upper room and in the waiting God the, the hindrance pulled all these people and in, in the waiting 120 people we learned to trust in what God had commanded them to do 120 obeyed 320 380 disobeyed and the apostle Paul would later writing to the Corinthian church as an example to them out of the 500 that saw him most are still with us but some had fallen asleep some had died some had fallen out of the faith and some were just spiritually in a slumber why? because they were hindered do you have time for Pentecost? as you stand tonight I'll tell you real quick I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. At 12 years old, praying for someone else to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Sister Mary Lou, I felt bad because that young man that I was praying for, I was praying for him to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and he didn't that night. That bothered me for a while, but I got over it. But I... I what does that have to do with anything? Here, here's what I want you to understand. When I say make time for Pentecost, I'm not just saying that we come into the church house and we just sit. If God asks us to do that, okay. But I remember I was playing a baseball game. My brother and his girlfriend at the time and my cousin came to watch the game because my brother gave me a ride to the game. We got finished with the game. And on the ride home, we just began to just talk about the Lord. You know, I'm a teenager still at this time, 15 years old, and we begin to talk about the Lord. All of a sudden, a bunch of my, my cousins, because I lived on, on, uh, on a farm, is you know, 48 acres, six houses, it's all families, all cousins, so of course you have no privacy, and you know, a party's a party for everybody, and, 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 and that's okay. That People call it the noble plantation, and that's just what it was. I mean, we were all together all the time, and so we began to call all the cousins on the, on the farm and say, hey, we're going to the back. We're going to have a bonfire and we're just going to begin to open up the scriptures and we're going to pray. Out of nowhere, out of nowhere, we just began to pray after reading some scriptures and, and all of a sudden I hear this sound. Me and my, my cousin Charity had been baptized with the Holy Spirit previous to this, but then all of a sudden my, my brother begins to speak in a heavenly language and I'm like, oh, oh my Lord, we're out in the middle of a hayfield with a bonfire and What's going on? And, and then my, my, my cousin Rachel begins to speak in an unknown tongue. And, and then her, her, her twin sister, Rebecca, begins to, to speak in a heavenly language. And, and then my, my cousin Ben begins to speak in a heavenly language. And, and all of a sudden, we're, we're caught up in this. Because, listen, I, I'm not saying that we this just applies to church because we are the church. Are you making time for Pentecost daily? Are you locking yourself away from the world? If it's 15 minutes, if it's 30 minutes, whatever, and just say, God, uh, I want Pentecost right here, right now. What I'm saying is, I want an encounter with your Holy Spirit.
Right now, I need it day in. I need it day out. Why? Because Jesus did not tell them. Oh, now, now, here, 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 here's, here's my commission. Go to all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't tell them that this is the program you need to use and this is how you should preach and these are the policies that you need to use and this is the, the, the agenda that you need to use. No, He simply said, you need to get to Jerusalem because you don't need programs. You don't need policy. You don't need politics. You don't need people. You need Pentecost. And what this world needs right now is not a bunch of Christians that do not have time for Pentecost and are walking in no authority and power. They need Christians that have put themselves away from this world and locked themselves in with the presence of God. And when they come out, there was noised abroad. There was a disruption to the world because there were people that were walking with authority and power. Why? Because they had time for Pentecost. I say all this not to beat you up. Not to beat you up, but to challenge you. Talk to many of you. You've said, I want revival. I want revival. I want revival. And it goes back to what God told me a few weeks ago. But do you have time? for revival we, we think that revival is just going to you're going to show up to the church one day and it's just going to break out no if you come to the church one day and it breaks out that's because it's been breaking out in homes and prayer closets all over this church and all over this city that, that, that is an outward expression of what's been going on in secret that's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 6 he says what your father see what, what, what is done in secret and what your father sees in secret he will reward you openly So church, what hinders you? What beats you back? I end with this. There's a lot of radical things going on in our nation on the surface. We got the radical left. We got the radical light. Right. We hear all these statements all the time, don't we, Cameron? I mean, you watch the news and it's they're coming up with a new term for someone that's crazy. Right? Just being honest. Well, they're this and they're that. And this world's full of radicals. And if the earth is full of radicals, that needs that means the church needs to be full of radical obedience. Radical faith, radical prayer, radical worship. Because if a church is radical, that means without, I mean, you're taking the limits off if you're radical. Nothing's untouchable, nothing's impossible. Because when you, you're radical in faith, radical in prayer, you'll have radical revival that will touch a radical world. But to have radical faith, to have radical prayer, to have radical revival, we have to have radical surrender. Brother Wade, 380 people didn't have time. And I'll tell you, like I told these parents and young people last night, if you, I, I hear 
I'm busy. I'm busy. I want you to know we all are. Every person in this room is busy. I guarantee you. I can talk to every person. You got stuff going on. You're busy. But a wise man once told me, David Dixon, one of the great, greatest Sunday school teachers I ever, I ever heard, he went on to be with the Lord. He said, you will make time for anything that is important for you. You will premeditate time for the things that are important to you. So will we premeditate time for Pentecost daily, day in and day out? I'm going to make two altar calls. If you're here tonight, and you say, Pastor Jade, I have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And here's where everybody, everybody wants to recoil. If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to get over the fear and the hesitation and come forward. I want, we're going to pray for you tonight to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we get intimidated. Well, you know, I just don't feel it. And I don't... Listen, if you don't make time to be filled, you'll never be filled. So my first, if for you in the house and you want to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you to come and stand across this front. I'm going to ask pastor to come and help me. Come, don't be afraid. Listen, just because it sounds, people just they get they get all terrified because of how it sounds and this and that. Don't don't know. Take the limits off God. Praise God. Praise God. Second. you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit but you've been hindered you, you have been hindered greatly and you need a refilling and a refreshing of the Holy Spirit I'm going to ask you to come and you say refilling, refreshing what are you talking about hey they were filled in Acts chapter 2 and they went back to the upper room in Acts chapter 4 so if you're here tonight and you'll just say, Pastor Jade, Pastor Ronnie, I need refreshing because I'm being hindered. I want you to come and I want you to stand over here. I know, I know we, got, we got these praying over here. We're going to pray for them. But if that's you tonight, I want you to come over here. We're going to pray with you. And you say, I'm hindered. I'm hindered. Amen. And if you don't feel like the altar call pertains to either, you know, either, either one pertains to you, I'm going to ask you either to find a place to pray at your seat, at these altars, these chairs over here, or to come and help us pray for these young people and these elders and these adults alike. Because we're going to see... I, I believe you say it's Wednesday night and you got things to do. Oh, do you have time? Do you have time? Do you have time?